Welcome to Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. I am your host, Lori McGraw. I have spent the past 30 years in leadership, and over the years, I've come to learn one thing. Women need women, and not just any women, but inspiring women. Tune in every week to hear from women at the pinnacle of their careers and from others who are just starting out. Episodes can be found at inspiringwomen.show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women. And today we are speaking with a very inspiring young woman, Emily Blair. And Emily is a 2016 graduate from Pepperdine University, um, biology graduate. She's done a tremendous amount of work in various cell biology, molecular biology labs. She's in her fifth year now at University of California, Riverside, where she's a PhD student. She's a fifth year PhD candidate. It. And what she, Emily's trying to do is she's trying to study how plants protect themselves from temperature extremes at both the genetic and the molecular level. And that is, as we can all imagine, pretty important in these times of extreme climate change and weather patterns that I think we're all experiencing. So long-term, Emily says she wants to pursue a career where she can translate her knowledge of plant molecular biology between her fellow scientists and other executives to make excellent decisions about crop management. Emily, welcome to Inspiring Women. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Great. Well, Emily, let's get started. And, you know, what I'd like to talk about with young women is, you know, you've you've been in school, you're still studying, you're working very hard, you're working in um, labs today. What are you doing right now? What are you focused on today? So I'm in my fifth year of my PhD program, like you mentioned. So Essentially, I'm trying to wrap up experiments in the lab and start writing up the data I have and doing some data analysis. And I'm hoping to graduate by the end of this year. So I'm starting to look at job positions now. So I think I've started to kind of had a, I've started to have a transition period where I'm not just thinking about my science 24 seven, I'm also thinking about what's the next step for me. Yeah, well, and those are big decisions, right? But before we even get to sort of like, where are you going next? Let's talk about how you decided to focus on, you know, this very specific field of plant molecular biology. What got you interested in that? Yeah, so my early work experiences as an undergraduate, I think really helped with the practical decision-making I did. So when I was in undergrad, I worked at a winery in Northern California, and I had the opportunity to work in a number of different research labs And it showed me that to have real growth potential in science and in industry, uh, you really do need a PhD to have like upward mobility, I guess. Um, So I felt like a smart career move would be to pursue a PhD if I wanted to stay in science. And then the actual work I was doing, I really enjoyed molecular biology and plants, working with the plants. So I ended up deciding to apply for this PhD. Well, that's terrific. Now, now working in a winery, that seems like, you know, from my perspective, not a molecular biologist kind of fun. And so tell me how like extreme temperatures and what that means from crops or food production or wine production. How, just give, give us a sense of that. Yeah. So I guess for my research, what got me interested in this specific area that I study now is 
I was really fascinated with how plants are able to react to their environment. So I think when I talk to people about me being a plant biologist, I think what goes through their head is, oh, that sounds so boring. You watch plants grow all day. And mm -hmm. that's, that's not what plant biologists do. So I like to think about, okay, so it's a really hot day and we're standing in the sun. You're really hot. What do you do? Maybe as humans, we go inside and sit in the air conditioning. Maybe we can move to the shade or drink some water. But plants are literally rooted to the ground and can't move to escape that heat. So how are they able to survive in that situation? And that kind of question is what really fascinates me. Just as a, I guess, a, so you are aware, it turns out that plants actually have this really cool, complex circadian clock that allows them to have a molecular response to hot or cold that helps them better react to that environment. So a circadian clock like birds, circadian clock like our sleep rhythms is what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's also sounds very complex, Emily. And so, you know, for fields like that, that, you know, STEM kind of areas, women pursue those. And usually in STEM types of fields, science, technology, engineering, math, they're mainly more surrounded by men than they are women. What's the mix in, in your particular area? Yeah, so for my area, uh, UCR, the botany program, there's a, a number of female scientists, actually. Um, my PI, personally, my PI is the professor that I work for. So she's a female scientist. And then we also have a joint lab meeting where I work closely with another female scientist. Uh, and both groups are led by these women, but the, I would say that the gender representation is pretty even in their team members. I think that I personally have sought out opportunities to work with women that I admire and that inspire me. And our department really has a huge number of super inspiring and impressive women. So it wasn't super hard for me to seek that out and find it. So is that unusual or is that in your particular field to have this equal number or even number of gender across the, across the biologies? So I think biological sciences is generally thought to be more female friendly from what I have seen. I think as you move into chemistry and physics and math, uh, you lose a lot of the gender representation. And was that important, Emily, was it important to you or, or did it really not matter in terms of, you know, your, how you got interested and wanted to pursue it at such an advanced level? Oh, it was, it was very important to me. I think, yeah, I think the botany department itself, the community and the culture in the department is very supportive of women. And I really wanted to be in a department that recognized that I had value as a woman instead of, you know, trying to get me to fit into a mold. <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so as you look around sort of the science tables, there's lots of long conversations about not having enough female voices at the most advanced levels of um, science. So when you see a particular scientist and you're impressed um, by them, how do you determine sort of like how to seek them out and, you know, in a way that is helpful to you? Is it intimidating? How do you do it? So how do I like find uh, women to communicate with, I guess? Yeah, just, just like in terms of, you know, people that inspire you as you're pursuing such an advanced level of science and the biology labs, how do you seek them out? How do you get help as a young um, aspiring professional? Yeah, I think so. I was really active in this at the beginning of my PhD, right? Because you're at the beginning of the PhD, you're typically 
not in a lab yet. You're you're trying to find an advisor. And so I rotated with a number of really great women. I kind of found them. So on our department website, we had a picture. We have pictures of everyone. So I kind of went through and I, I looked more closely for women. I was looking for women whose research kind of aligned with my interests as well. We also have opportunities to listen into women speak at seminar series. Um, there's also men speaking at them, but I <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I connect more with the female speakers often. And I definitely look for women who are uh, strong communicators as well, because that is something I value quite a bit. Well, it also sounds like you're getting a lot of support. So are you mm-hmm. finding in your field that, you know, where there is, where there are a lot of women who are out there, are they more helpful to you? Do you, is that connection easy to establish a rapport? How does that go for you? Yeah, I do think that uh, some of the women I've talked to, they'll, they'll say things like, oh, you know, I love mentoring young women because mm-hmm. I really wish that I had had someone like this for me. And so I do think there's a lot of women in our program who feel like they have this opportunity to give back and to kind of raise up the next generation of female scientists. That's fantastic. And so that's got to give you a lot of confidence and a lot of comfort sort of knowing that there are others um, ahead of you who are willing to help. But let's talk about some of the smaller things, Emily, you know, in the world of science, I'm sure that you work with a lot of different people at a lot of different levels. Do you ever experience gender differences in terms of whether it's your work, your lab work, or just conversations that that you're having? Or is that not a thing? Yes, I do think I have experienced kind of more subtle issues. I think something that I've struggled with is speaking up in meetings. And I think it's especially difficult for me to do this over Zoom. I often worry that I'm going to come off as rude if I'm going to interject, which is the style of communication in our meetings is often to interrupt people. Mm -hmm. But I have a hard time doing that because I don't want to be perceived in a bad way. And so I think something I've been trying to work on is being assertive and recognizing that that's not rude to just allow yourself to speak. You know, I've actually read recently that for younger people, they're finding Zoom to be actually an easier platform to speak up and participate in over older colleagues in this area. So are you finding it easier just from a generation level, or are you also finding it just as um, intimidating as if you were in person? And I'm not saying you said it was intimidating, but I'm just certain that there's some intimidation when you're, you know, with, uh, again, your PhD candidates you're working with some pretty accomplished people. Yeah, actually, one of the professors I work with is a member of the National Academy of Sciences, which is a very prestigious group. So yes, I'll say (laughs) definitely um, can be intimidating in those meetings. Let's let's just talk about sort of how do you participate on the Zoom, because that Mm -hmm. is sort of the new normal, and it probably will be for some time. Mm -hmm. And how are you making yourself heard? Young women often talk about, you know, just how do I have confidence and how do I show up in ways that I can be heard, but not be overly promoting myself, which is sometimes an uncomfortable thing for, for young women to do. Yeah, definitely. So I think something that has helped me quite a bit because it's really hard for me to wrap my head around 
the conversations on Zoom are just, it's hard to know when to speak, I think. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's really easy to cut people off. And I I often find that to be very rude. I think my communication style is also, uh, I use my hands quite a bit. And so I really miss the body language aspect of communicating on Zoom because I think I can express myself better in person. So I think something that I have found to be useful is when I feel like I want to say something, I'll unmute and then say, hey, can I interject? Or, hey, this is a great point. Could I stop you for a second? And just giving myself that little like five second interjection gives me the the space and the confidence to actually ask my question and not, I think, sound like a moron. Well, you don't sound like a moron. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and so, Emily, it also sounds like you're being very thoughtful in terms of how do you get yourself heard um, in these conversations with lots of different people? Do you think about those things a lot? In addition to, again, you're doing deep science work here. So you, you said you're thinking science 24-7, but you're also sounds like you're, you're spending time thinking about how do I get recognized for what I'm doing? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think something that people don't realize sometimes is that the last step of the scientific method is actually communication. So for me, I think communication is super, super important. And I definitely spend a lot of time thinking about how do I communicate my science effectively to whatever audience I'm in front of. Are you good at it? I like to think so. I think Mm -hmm. I definitely have room for improvement though. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about, you said you were starting to think about in your fifth year, you're hoping to finish up this year and good luck on that. Uh, That'll be just terrific, but you're thinking about what's next. So what is next? What are you, what are you pursuing? I think I've got a a good general idea of where I want to be long-term. And I think generally I want to be in an environment where there's strong female leadership, where communication is valued and where there's opportunity for personal growth and career advancement. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. in a position, I as, as I mentioned, I do think I have this skill to communicate science to both scientists and non-scientists. And I didn't really realize how important that was until recently. And so I think I'd really like to find a career where I can use that to market myself and kind of set myself apart from other scientists. Because I mean, I'm sure you're aware, not all scientists are great communicators. So I feel like I can kind of use this to set myself apart a little bit uh, and hopefully find a position. I'm not sure where the next next step is. I think there's opportunity to do these types of things and staying in the academic realms, going into industry or even in the policy world. So I'm kind of trying to feel out my options right now. Well, I think that your point about the scientific method, the that communication is a, a key step of that, and um, you're really focused on that part of um, your learning and getting prepared for your career. That's super interesting. So you talked about that you seek out women, um, you seek out other scientists who communicate well, and you. So, uh, do you have mentors today? Do you seek women out as mentors to help you in your professional journey, Emily? Yes, and I think this is something that I want to grow. I think I'm not great at pursuing mentorship relationships. I think kind of getting back at that intimidation point that you made earlier, sometimes I'm just, you know, why would somebody want to talk to me? Uh, So definitely mentorship is something I want to work on and try to find more mentors in my life. 
Well, and I think, you know, Emily, just like you were talking about asking and women do really appreciate the opportunity to help other young women. So with that in mind, you know, and inspiring women for the reason for doing this podcast is to talk to young aspiring professionals like yourself, other women who are advanced and accomplished in their careers. But if you, if you think about what you want to learn from, what you would ask other women who have already made it, what are the kinds of things that you want to know? So I think because of where I'm at in my career right now, I feel like I'm at this uh, transition period where I kind of have to make a choice of where I'm going to go and how am I going to start my career really. And so I, I would be really interested to hear from other women about how they made decisions at these key transitional moments in their careers that have allowed them to find success and then how they overcame the fear of choosing the wrong path or making the wrong choice at this point. Well, Emily, I am going to take those questions and I'm going to continue to ask other women um, that. I can tell you, though, that, you know, uh, thinking about it and asking out loud and talking to lots of other people is always a good start. But at the end of the day, what I think you're going to hear and you'll hear from me, you'll hear from others is the choices are always up to you and you can make wrong decisions and you also can choose differently if you've made one of those wrong decisions. But I will say, Emily, it sounds like you are off to a great start and I wish you nothing but the best as you close out this last year of your PhD. And it has been a great conversation talking with you today. So thank you so very much. You can find more podcasts on on inspiring women on our website, but where can people follow you if they want to see your career journey continue? Sure. Short term, you can find me on the UCR Botany website page. Uh, but I also have a LinkedIn <laughs> and um, a Google Scholar. Uh, you can find my one publication and hopefully more to follow. Fantastic. All right, Emily, it's been great talking to you today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Lori McGraw, and thank you for listening.